Hello, welcome to the Sweeter Than Honey podcast. I am Josh, and I'm with my brother Brendan and my wife Tori, and today we are going through Genesis 21. Kind of long, so we're at least going to start it. We'll see how far we can get into it. Uh, we're going to meet this little kid named Laugh, yes. um, and his brother, and then we're going to hang out with Abimelech for a little longer. Yeah, there, there are three sections yeah. to this chapter. Hence, maybe only getting partway through it today. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It's dense. Yes. So, last time, yeah. speaking of Abimelech, yeah. um, uh, but Abraham decided to pull a going to Egypt again. Um, and it, it, it almost ended even more disastrously than things in Egypt did. Because all we were told in Egypt is that they were struck with plagues. Yeah. Which is foreshadowing mm. for what will yeah, happen. I wonder if maybe that'll happen again. Exactly. Um, like the the everything that happens with Egypt is a very self-contained, uh, like microcosmic telling of what will eventually happen to Abraham's descendants. Yeah. Everything with Abimelech is a lot more fleshed out, and it has both more severe and less severe consequences as a result. Because more severe in terms of what could have possibly been the outcome of Abimelech taking Sarah, less severe in terms of Abraham wasn't straight up kicked out of the city. Yeah, he was He was told, <laughs> hey, you want to just live with us? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, apparently Abimelech recognized, in spite of the fact that Abraham was just a vessel for cursing for the people, he could also be a vessel for blessing because he was told he's a prophet. And so he was mm-hmm. like, hey, maybe we could get something out of this yeah. guy if he sticks around. Hmm, I wonder if that's going to show up again later. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> Check him. Yes. So the last line, uh, I guess two lines of yes. chapter 21. 20. Buh. Who's brain? <laughs> chapter 20. Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed fast all the wounds of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. All right, chapter 21. Then the Lord took note of Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Therefore she said to Abraham, Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the lad and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her, for through Isaac your descendants shall be named. And of the son of the maid I will make a nation also, because he is your descendant. So Abraham arose early in the morning and took bread and the skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder, and gave her the boy and went and sent her away. She departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, about a bow shot away, for she said, Do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. God heard the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter with you, Hagar? 
Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. God was with the lad, and he grew, and he lived in the wilderness and became an archer. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me uh, here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity. But according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. Abraham said, I swear it. But Abraham complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor did I hear of it until today. Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Abimelech said to Abraham, What do these seven ewe lambs mean, which you have set by themselves? He said, You shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because there the two of them took an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. Sounds like Abraham and Abimelech uh, are on good standing, um, at the very least. You know, they both are on, um, oh, what, are those, what are those sticks called that you walk on sometimes? Stilts. Oh. Stilts. They're both on stilts. They're a little wobbly, but they're like, they still want to work together. Oh, even sure. Even though we're a little shaky. Right. Yeah, I I just mean like it sounds like they're trying to Abum- work together. Abimelech is not mad, and Abraham is not mad. I wouldn't go as far as to say they're buddies, but they're both a little mad. But they're also both just trying to get by. They're they're being adults about it. Yeah. 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 They 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 don't have to go to war like the kings did. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So here at the beginning, where it says the Lord took note of Sarah. That word is pakad, which is attend or visit. Yeah. So that's, God said, I will visit you in one year. And when that happens, you will bear a son. So now Yahweh is visiting as he promised. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say here, since verse 2 says, Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, I'm going to uh, go back to what I said last episode and say, okay, here we we can maybe derive from this statement she conceived post the Abimelech situation um, because it's after God reopened the wombs of the people of Abimelech that then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. As I said last time, it's possible that this event happened before that event, but they're set next to each other in order to provide commentary on each other. Yep. That's, that's a not, summary statement that's and everything. That's not unheard of, but... Yeah, it, it does seem like just the way that things are framed. Yeah, we can infer. God we can't says, confirm, but we can infer. Exactly. Yeah, the first bookend, God says, I will visit you in a year. Then you get the middle of this. Uh, well, I was about to mix my metaphors. You get the piece of bread. God says, I will visit you in a year. You get the meat. Things happen in Sodom. Things happen with Abimelech. You get the other piece of bread. God visits Sarah. That seems to be the way that things are framed. What kind of meat? Not good meat. Oh. Is very messy meat. Okay. Is very nasty meat. I was hoping we could have like a chicken sandwich or no, something. No, no. Sodom <laughs> Sodom got destroyed and gross things happened with Lot and you know, that, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Sorry, I was focusing on the food. 
Uh, so Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. That's always the emphasis is that this should have been impossible for them physically. Yes. Um, at the appointed time, which God had spoken to him. So that's just the emphasis that, hey, this happened exactly the way God said it was going to. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That that your marker, God was true to, in, in a year's time, I'll come back. Yeah, I think as Christians, we kind of take that for granted, because, like, granted, we all... <laughs> We we hear like you know in God's timing and that kind of stuff, but we're just like yeah, He's God, He's going to do what what He said He's going to do. But no, like this this emphasis is here is to drive home this point of His character is that He's true to His word. Yeah, exactly. Right. We shouldn't just take it for granted. Yeah, and the 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 word here for appointed time is moed. It's the it's the word for season mm-hmm. that was used in um, um, Genesis one. Yeah, talking exactly. about the the heavenly bodies. Yes. Yeah. The things that are swimming up there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac. So this is all, like, it, it's, it sounds kind of awkward, just the way that things are phrased, but, like, the, the, it's Abraham's son through Sarah, mm-hmm. right? That's what it's trying to get across. Yeah, that's the emphasis of this convoluted phrasing. It's, yeah, it's Abraham's son. It's Sarah's son. It's not Abraham's son with somebody else. It's not Sarah's son through Abimelech or anybody else. This is Abraham and Sarah's child. Mm-hmm. Laughter. Yes. Yeah. As as God said to, as God said to them, you will call him laughter. Both of them laughed, and now that happens. But then Sarah has in in a couple verses a new interpretation for what calling him laughter means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to kind of um, sweep under the rug the shame she felt of laughing right. at God. <laughs> So uh, not not exclusively, just it's it just in contrast. It seems that way where she's like, let me let me you know renew this this situation in my mind now, so yeah. that I don't live in the shame of of laughing. Right, right. I can I can laugh with joy instead of shame. Uh, Abraham uh, called the name of his son Isaac. Yep, and then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old. As God had commanded him. Hey, wow, he's listening again. Yeah, he's he's That's upholding cool. his end of the covenant. Wow. Imagine. <laughs> now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him, uh, which is so interesting because that is in very stark contrast to Adam having Seth when he was 130 mm-hmm. and it seeming to not be a big deal. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, Adam was still relatively young. Mm-hmm. At that age, yeah, he, Abraham is not. <laughs> yeah, um, Sarah said, "God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me." So there it there is, you go. right? And this seems like like joyous laughter because of the blessing that she's received. And and this is like doubly so because um, what what she says here is sechoch. Yeah, which is sechok. Um, Which is the word that Yitzhak comes from. Yeah. So she's almost saying, God has made Isaac for me. Yeah. Right? It, a, a, another another side to that fulfilled promise. Yeah. Right? Um, she's recognizing that it's only by his blessing that this came about. Yeah. Yeah. God, God has brought laughter to me, so all who hear... Uh, God has brought Isaac to me, so all who hear will Isaac with me. Yeah. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. It's interesting. She's not even focused on the fact that she's old and has probably gone through menopause and can't have children anyway. 
she's like, oh, Abraham's old. Yeah. yeah. Even though his well, his fertility wasn't even didn't seem even to be an issue because yeah. of the Hagar yeah. situation. Right. Right. Yeah. The emphasis is on Abraham, but it also makes sense culturally because he's the the primary exact focus yeah, of the no, family. It was it, it definitely seems like it, the focus is patriarchal because that is the way that the family was structured. But yeah, it's the, the 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 idea that he's the leader of the tribe, right? Yes. This whole family unit is under his uh, direction and care. Exactly. And so the fact that he has offspring to continue caring for the tribe is the uh, the big highlight here. Exactly, yes. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Um, I wonder how long that would have been. I think children nowadays... It kind of happens anywhere between one to three years old. Hmm. Don't know. I'm not a mom, so I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't have any <laughs> general knowledge on that. Got questions. It says according to Jewish rabbinical traditions, weaning could take place anywhere between eighteen months and five years of age. Here it says high infant mortality rates existed in ancient cultures. Right. We we would assume that just because modern medicine seems to have increased the likelihood that babies survive. Yeah. One reason for large families was the fact that many young children did not live to adulthood because of the risks that infants face. The celebration of a child's weaning was a natural and important part of the culture. It, it basically meant that they had a much stronger chance to survive right, if right. they made it past the weaning um, process because then they could eat the food that everybody else could eat and probably still survive. Right. They, they had developed past the need for the physical support of a mother. Um and had reached a new stage of life that greatly increased the likelihood of good health. We we at least established the cultural significance of why Abraham would be would be throwing a feast. Yeah, it's not just Isaac. because it's Isaac. Um, it's the fact that Isaac is basically guaranteed to survive. Right. Yeah. Exactly. There, there is, there is no longer as much need for concern about. How long is he going to be able to, how long is he going to be able to continue to be? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. There's there's an assuredness in, okay, he's he's made it to the point where he can now properly sustain his himself without the need for Sarah yeah, the I same wa- way. I wonder if maybe he didn't have the same kind of understanding that... Um, like I'm sure part it was mostly cultural. Like, oh yeah, he's weaned. Great, we throw a feast because that's the celebration ceremony, right? But when the sacrifice is going to take place, we get context from the New Testament that Abraham believed that God would fulfill His promise even if it was to resurrect Isaac right. from the dead. Yeah, right. I wonder if he wouldn't have had that same thought process during the weaning process, and it was only after the weaning process that he was like in his mind confirmed that okay, God is going to preserve this child. Sure. Because right. we, we aren't given an, any any indication because there wouldn't have been any other reason besides the natural risk of death to think that Isaac wouldn't survive. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Yeah, I don't know. So It's not something that, that we're given any sort of insight on. No, but. and I don't think it's worth trying to pick apart that deeply. I'm, I, I just thought about it. Yeah. Now Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian woman whom she had born to Abraham, Isaacing. Yes. Now, we've talked about the many different ways that the word can be used. Um, 
I wonder if it's this form specifically that is, nope, it's not this form specifically that's, that's negative because it's the same word used for Isaac when he's caressing his wife. Yeah, well, but see that that's that seems to be in in the line of making play. Yeah, which which caressing is obviously it's a, it, an interpretation used in order to try to get across the idea that what's happening here is it is shouldn't more, just be happening between a brother and exactly sister. is more intimate. Yeah. But um, it, it seems like to make play um, or or to make mockery of yeah could be a euphemistic form of whatever it is that they are doing. Sim- similarly to the idea of, I uh, I don't know what the exact term is in Cause, cause, Exodus. I'll look this up. But when when the people are worshiping the calf, oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah, get yeah. up to play, which is a euphemism for an orgy. Yeah. Um, uh, rose up to play. It's, um, so it has the prefix le. Um which is like two. Um, Zachech, or Zachech. Um, not, yeah, Zachech. Um, and here it's the word Meh, uh, Zachech. So it's it's the same word, but with a different okay. um, a beginning letter. Yeah. Um, obviously, they have the same root. Right. That, that's what I was wondering. But um, yeah. So, so it seems like the idea of, of, of laughing, it could be, hey, we are we are joyously laughing together. Mm-hmm. It could be, hey, I'm 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 laughing because I find that absurd. It could be, hey, I'm mocking you, or it could be a euphemism for something sexual happening. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of English translators render it in a making fun of. Context. Yeah, in the, in this particular case, um, it, it's most often rendered as something akin to mocking or or making fun of. Uh, the yeah. interlinear has it rendered as scoffing. Yeah, I have I have heard that that might not be the only interpretation of it, and that what could be happening is that I Ishmael is just playing with Isaac. Right, mm-hmm. but Sarah sees that as a threat because she thinks that oh, Ishmael and Hagar still think that they're going to get the leadership position sure. of the tribe. Sure. Um, either way, Sarah sees what's happening. She's like, "That's not okay." Exactly. Like, uh, even if it's just Ishmael playing with Isaac, she's like, "They're not equal." Exactly. Don't even think that. Exactly. So therefore, she said to Abraham, "Drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac." Right, she's she's putting her foot down. And the last time she did this, Ishmael was born. <laughs> yes, yes. And and in that case, at least it was in response to Hagar getting a bit of an attitude. Mm-hmm. In this case, she she's feeling threatened without any threat being presented. Yeah, the word here is garash, drive out or cast out. Um, so as God drove out the man. Yeah, I was about Eden. to say this is this is exile that's happening. Sarah, um, Sarah is. We, we've only we've only seen God drive out people like this before. Yeah, so it's not well, that Sarah's putting herself on the same level as God, but it's interesting that she's the one calling for this right now. Yeah, um, yeah. because God hasn't said anything yet about right. it. Yeah, the only two other times that this word has showed up, it, it as Josh said, when when God drove out the man from the garden. And, and Cain's when Cain perceived, goes, oh, you are going to drive me yeah. from your face. 
um, or have driven me from your face. Um, and so Sarah is assuming the position to, or, or telling, telling Abraham to assume the position to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting here because here Abraham hesitates, right? He's, he's listened to Sarah twice before, and now he's like, I don't know if this is what I'm supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, he goes, it didn't go well yeah. last time. Yeah, the matter distressed him. What's that word? Uh, it was displeasing to him. Ra'ah. It was bad. It was bad in his eyes. Yes. Right? This is anti-Eden. This is this is not good it, it, in, in his eyes. Right. Um, because it's his son. Yeah. And, and we, we assume that it's Ishmael here that's being talked about. Like, he doesn't even care about Hagar, right? Yeah. It, well, it's just yeah, his offspring. She, she's just a slave. She doesn't mean anything but my yeah. son? That's yeah. my son. He's a man, and he's important, and God promised that he would be a great nation, so, like, not not, I... not validating any of that, but that's likely <laughs> what's going through his mind right now. Yeah, but God said to Abraham, do not think it bad or ra'ah because of your son, um, or because of the boy is, is the word, uh, which is na'ar, a boy, lad, youth, retainer. Um. I'm curious how what what the semantic range for that is, but just a, yeah. a young it, a young man. Yeah, it, right? it, say it, it often gets rendered in the NASB as lad. Um we we assume Ishmael to be thirteen around this time. Yeah. Well pro- probably a little, older. little bit older, yeah, because so he, he was he was thirteen when he was circumcised. It's been at least a year since then. Yeah, so he's he's in his mid teens ish. Yeah. So but he's he's a young man. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that that that's what we can we we can almost just blanket statement say young man. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's used to refer to a servant where a retainer comes in. Yes. But this is not that that situation. Exactly. Um because of the lad and your maid referring to Hagar. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her for through Isaac your descendant shall be named. So even if Sarah isn't going about this in the right attitude, God is saying no, she's actually doing what's right here. Yeah, well, she she's she may not be doing what's right, but she or she is correct. She's that calling for the Ishmael, right thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ishmael will not have part with Isaac. Mm-hmm. She is correct on that front. Even if she's not handling it well, God is affirming that to be true. And reminding Abraham of what he told him when he promised Isaac, Ishmael's not going to be the one. Ishmael's going to be blessed, but he's not going to be the one. Yeah, and in the Hebrew, it says... Um, uh, for through Isaac, your seed shall be proclaimed. Kara, the call. Yeah. And so they, they'll, they'll be called. The, your they'll seed be will the be sons called of Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Rather than Ishmael's name. Yeah. Um, so Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar, putting them on her shoulder and gave her the boy and sent her away. And, and by the way, to clarify, the. His his seed oh, sorry. his seed will be will be named according to Jacob, but that will come by way of Isaac. Yeah, I just realized I skipped thirteen. Sorry, um, and the son of the maid I will make a nation also because he is your descendant. So that's what we talked about last episode, yeah. where God is still going to honor Ishmael's status as a son of Abraham and give him, uh, you know, blessing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, as I said, he 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 promised to Hagar. And then 
reinforce the promise to Abraham. This this child, the the one named after having been heard by God, is going to be a great nation. He's going to be a king of of uh, or sorry, he's going to be a father of twelve tribal chieftains mm-hmm. because of his his connection to Abraham. Yep. Um, she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. Now, th- this is a, a um, scribal thing. Like Beersheba hasn't been named yet, right. but like we're going to learn about the origin of Beersheba here in a second. So it's just them saying like, yeah, that section of geography right yeah. there. And that place. It, it is interesting that she's wandering about in the wilderness of a place named after a well. Yeah. There's a bit of irony there. Yeah, and also it calls back to the last time she was cast out because yes. she's supposed to be in the vicinity of a well, right? Yeah, um, that time it was the well of the God who sees. Yep. This yep. time it's the well of, we'll get into it, but the well of seven or oath. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the water dried up, which is funny because it's a well, but it wasn't the well water that was dried up, um, or not dried, but like used up. You know what? Yeah, exactly. it, the water ran out. Um, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Is that? It's not eights, actually. What is this? This is siach. Yeah, a bush a shrub, shrub plant. So, uh, yeah. This this goes back to Genesis two when when there was there was not yet a shrub. Yeah, of this the is, field. This is probably like the tall grasses. Yeah. Um, yeah. so something that that can shield him from her vision. Yeah, so so sh- she is in a place that looks similar to... Um, she puts him in the Eden place of the wilderness. Exactly, exactly. A place where there's something that's growing. Exactly, yeah. While, while she's out in the tohu, va- tohu vavohu. Mm-hmm. I almost flipped those words around. Was it, what's um, the word for wilderness here? Uh, Bemidbar? Which just invokes the concepts of tohu and vavohu. Exactly. Yeah, while while she's while she's there, she she specifically places him somewhere that's a little bit sheltered. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's not sheltered for his survival; it's sheltered from her seeing him not survive. Yeah. Um. So she went and sat down opposite him, about a bow shot away, and that that's an interesting, like, what? Why would we need that kind of measurement? Right. It, yeah. just, it, it it gives a good sense of distance, but that that seems like a very strange detail to give. Yeah, well, it, it seems like the idea is is she's she's far away that she doesn't have to see or hear his distress. Mm-hmm. She she is removing herself far away that she can be like, I know that he's suffering, but I don't want to experience mm-hmm. him suffering. Yeah. Or she said, "Do not let me see the boy die," and she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, is it is this the same idea of the outcry of? Sodom and Gomorrah. Is it the same word? Let's no, see. Let's see. The word is weeping or, or wailing, not not outcry. Okay, it's different. Um, this is the first time we see oh. ba- baka used. Um, yeah, and then coal is voice. Yes. Um, and then uh, God heard the lad crying. Yes. That's interesting. That his focus was on the offspring of Abraham, not on Hagar here, and like. It makes sense. It's not that God's ignoring Hagar. Right. It's no, that he, God he already heard her. That's yeah. why Ishmael is named what he is. Exactly, right? And and so, but God is hearing the offspring of Abraham in distress, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So what, what God is doing now, we're, we're affirming that he is doing what he's doing in accordance with his covenant. Mm-hmm. And the angel of God 
which isn't the same phrase as the angel of the Lord, but, right, we're, but we're, we're still seeing the, the mirroring of Hagar's experience before. Exactly. Right? And th- this is still that same category, seemingly, of of there, there being some connection to to God and this messenger that may be a little bit beyond simply yeah, yeah. it being this, a messenger. This one doesn't have the same kind of uh, blurs, though, because it, they they act it, it's a very short story but they act mm-hmm. as if they are just a a messenger for god right. not a direct representation for yeah, god they attribute everything yeah he, he attributes god has to heard god the voice yeah. right um he, the angel of god called to hagar from heaven and said to her what is the matter with you hagar do not fear for god has heard the voice of the lad where he is arise lift up the lad and hold him by the hand here we go for i will make a great nation out yeah. of him right so there's there's that blurring so even though it's not the same phrase, the angel of the Lord, the angel of God, it's it's still invoking that image. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and again, the definitive article isn't used. Um, oh yeah, that, sorry, I wasn't trying to emphasize the. I'm just saying like the angel of Yahweh versus the angel of Elohim. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just it's just the God's title's angel. different, but yeah, yeah, yeah. This this messenger, um, because he says, you know, God has heard the voice of the lad where he is, and then suddenly we have this strange language shift where uh, arise lift with the lad hold him by the hand for I will make a great nation of him mm-hmm. so that's like the message from God to Hagar exactly and then, well <laughs> and then as yeah as God is saying or as as the angel who is speaking as God is saying this God opens her eyes so so now it just really blurs the lines yeah. of, of who's so now doing what the God that sees her is helping her to see mm-hmm. open her eyes and she saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink God was with the lad, and he grew and lived in the wilderness and became an archer. Um, so this this is, invokes the Nimrod type. Yes. Yeah, the last person that we saw who who was associated with that kind of thing. This is the, fir- the first and only time that this particular word for Bowman is used. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Kashoth. Um it, it comes from uh, Kesheth, a bow, which is what God put in the clouds. He is a bower. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but it invokes the the Nimrod imagery of of the huntsman. Yeah, and and here the bow shot away has a little bit of that wordplay going on because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, Ishmael is uh, a bow shot away, and he will take up the bow when he is revived and live that way. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was just about to ask. Yeah. I was like, is that? Yeah. But you probably. probably. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yes, but maybe not for that wordplay specifically. Right. It's but not like they're like, I was gonna, to like, Yeah, the, the word isn't, the words are used intentionally. Right. Yeah, well, like like I said, they only have so much scroll and ink that they can use, so yeah. it, it is very likely that something like that was done specifically for the sake of yeah, even if it, adding like commentary he, to itself. And we, we we can't say this definitively, but we can even infer that maybe it is supposed to set you up for the fact that Ishmael is going to become an archer. Yeah, by yeah. bringing the bow to mind and then being right. like, "Oh, this boy is going to use the bow." Yeah, he lived in the wilderness of Paran. Uh, which is the first time we see this, actually. Yes. Um, yes. It's the only time we'll see it in this book, but it's it's a place in Sinai. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from the same as Porah, which is a bow. 
Yeah, or or possibly uh, from uh, Pa'ar to glorify. So this could be the the glorious wilderness. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting though because because it's also rendered as branches in some of the NASB verses. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like this is drawing on the idea of the bush. Yeah, right. Yeah. He lived in the wilderness of bushes, just like he was under the bush in the wilderness. Um, so a little bit more of that wordplay going on there in the imagery of the entire story. Yeah. And his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So. Um, right. and we'll, so, so she she went back to her home mm-hmm. to acquire a wife for him. And we'll see another uh, connection between Ishmael and Egypt later on in Genesis. Not a good one. <laughs> right. right. No. <laughs> um, so. And real quick, I know we touched on, on Mizraim before, which is actually the, the word that's used in the Hebrew Bible. No, nowhere in the Hebrew Bible is the word oh, Egypt yeah, yeah, yeah. used because it's not... Because, um, the, yeah, the, the, Miz, uh, the Mizraimites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because Mizraim was um, a son of um, uh, Ham. Exactly. So I, I we we hadn't touched on this, but I did want to touch on it. It seems like the word that's being used is their their word for themselves. I don't remember if we talked about that before or not. Where where Egypt is is what what the Mizraimites would have referred to their place as mm-hmm. as Egypt or or yeah. what, wh- however they would have pronounced that. Um, yeah, and it's and it's a little unclear. If if Mizraim is supposed to be the people group itself or the territory that the Mizraimites settled in post Babel, right. because Egyptologists will tell you that the actual ethnicity of quote unquote Egyptians changed so much during the Bronze Age because yes. of all these coups and rebellions and new rulers coming up. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, we we can safely assume that Mizraim mostly refers to the territory, not necessarily the exact descendants of Mizraim right. all the way through. Right. It's it's about this section in northern Africa. Exactly. Exactly. A place that is south of the promised land. It is set up as the anti-Eden until Babylon comes along and then like, you know, Neo-Babylon, I should say, um, historically speaking. And then Neo-Babylon is the epitome of anti-Eden until the New Testament, and then it's Rome. But Rome is compared to Babylon, which is the anti-Eden. Yeah. So right now, Egypt's just not a great place. Yes. Okay. Uh, now, it came about at that time, so after Isaac had, or after Ishmael had been sent out with Hagar, that Abimelech and Fichol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham. Mm-hmm. So Abimelech shows up again, right? They're mm-hmm. still living on his land, and they have permission to do so. Yeah. Right? And he shows up with the commander of his army, who is... The mouthpiece, his 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 name is mouth. My master bids yeah. thee welcome. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. His his name is is uh, by mouth and and coal, uh, which which is 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 whole. Can so I, it's like the the voice of the people, yeah. basically. Can I be a stickler here? Sure. I actually makes the e sound well, in Hebrew. Yes. So it's peacol. Peacol. Yes. Yeah. Um. It sounds so it, funny to me. It, it's not actually that important. I'm, no. I'm just like, yes, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Peak hole. Um, yeah. So like he, so peak hole. Kind of. Like kinda. you're peaking through. Almost. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. He is. He is the mouthpiece. Yeah. Of the people. Yeah. The sar of his. 
um, of his uh, sabah, um, the chief or ruler yep. of the war. Yeah, of of the, of the warring people. Yeah, yeah. Sabah can can be army because it it, it sabah from sabah. Did the, is it really saying? Oh, there's two different ways to spell it. I guess no, it's the exact same word. Oh, but one's a one's a noun, one's a verb. Yeah. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is this to is wage the, war. To this serve. is the noun version of warring. Gotcha. So that's why it's it's the warring people, the army. It's it's the same word. Um, going back to Genesis two, we talked about the the hosts of everything inhabiting Earth, mm-hmm. and and kind of the the warring language that was present in yeah, Genesis yeah. 2. The, the um, um, conquering. Exactly. All, all of, of the... Conquering the, the wild and waste. Exactly. All of the inhabitants whose job was to conquer yeah. um, were, were finished populating that yeah. area. Um, so, and, and it, here's interesting, this uh, word sar for chieftain, chief ruler official. It's the same word that was used in the last Abraham and Sarah sister story in Egypt, uh, to the people that praised Sarah's beauty to Pharaoh. So now, now we see that um, the parallel for those people in the Abimelech story would have been Fikol, but mm-hmm. since the story turned out differently, he's not an enemy, right. and he's not, he's not, he doesn't have ill will towards Abraham either. Exactly. He's mostly here as the personal guard, basically. Yeah, yeah. He's not even, tr- they're not even trying to strong arm him. No, it's just in in case things get testy. In case Abraham, who we know helped take out a king before, and he's a powerful spiritual um, leader too. Exactly. In so, case he decides he has an issue with what's going on, Fikola is here to be like, I got it. I got a bunch of guys behind me. Yeah. If you say you in what army, that's them. <laughs> yeah. So he said Abimelech says to Abraham, "God is with you in all that you do." He recognizes that he he's experienced the presence of God. He doesn't want to deal with that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity, but according to the kindness that I've shown you, you shall show to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. So that's a lot. It's a really big verse. Yeah. But he's he's trying to make an official agreement with uh, Abraham here. Yeah. Um, Interesting. He he. He says, uh, swear you won't deal falsely with me or my kids or my kids' kids. Um, like, And that word to swear is Shabbat. Yeah, yeah. So, so make an oath to me that, that for the foreseeable future, our families will be on good terms. Yeah, and according to the chesed, goodness, mm-hmm. kindness that I've shown you, right? He, and we, we already know Abimelech didn't deal falsely with Abraham. He was upfront. And got ahead of it because God spoke to him and said, "Hey, we got to get this sorted out, mm-hmm. right?" So Abraham knows that Abimelech isn't trying to mess with him. Um, and and here it's almost like he's saying, "Take care of the land that I'm letting you live on, too, please." Yes, <laughs> right. Yes. Don't don't uh, you know scorched earth it, even though that's not even a concept yet. <laughs> right, right. Um, like just take care of the, this place mm-hmm. since I'm letting you live on it. Exactly. And Abraham said, "I swear it." Great. We're all good. Yep. Oh, but Abraham complained to Abimelech. He judged him, like we talked about last time. It's that same word. Yep. Um, what, what was it? Uh, reproved. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah uh, he brought forth a case against. Yeah. Yachach. Yeah. Yachach. Um, 
uh, complained to Abimelech because of the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. That's kind of weird. Um, we don't know why it happened. We don't know exactly yeah. when it happened. We just know that it happened. And, and Abraham's like, before we can solidify this whole agreement thing. Right. And this, we're probably thinking the same thing as Abimelech. I didn't know about this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this dispute just needs to get dealt with, right? And it's so funny because Abimelech, if, if you just read the story, Abimelech almost seems to be doing the, oh, it wasn't my fault kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, but like, like we just based on what we've seen with this character in this deep dive, he's, he's trying to do what's right. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't seem like he's trying to pass the blame, even though that's how it almost comes across. He's like, I did not know. I, I don't know who has done this thing. Yeah. You didn't tell me. I didn't hear of it until today. Exactly. So yeah, if you had an issue with it, you, you should have said something. Exactly. We could have dealt with it. Exactly. And so so it's almost like, once again, Abimelech is placed in the position of doing what's right and Abraham almost in doing what's wrong, but Abimelech's still suffering for it. Uh, it def- definitely not anywhere to the degree that it was last time. It's yeah. just strange that Abimelech is still, you know, blameless in, in the, in the uh, interaction, I guess. Mm. But... He's still the one that has to deal with it. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's curious that, that Abraham didn't say anything before. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like, he was still worried that they were going to come after him. Exactly. Exactly. It's likely that, that e- even in spite of... Because with, with Egypt, he didn't have to worry about anything anymore because he got thrown He left, out yeah. <laughs> Here, he's still among people who could possibly be holding a grudge for mm-hmm. what he did. Mm-hmm. And so in order to, again protect his own hide. He's like, I'm just, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to deal with it. I, I don't want any trouble. Yeah. But now that Abimelech is like, hey, let's be on good terms. He's like, well, before we can be yeah, on good terms, yeah. this was a problem. There's a skeleton in the closet. Exactly. Abraham took sheep and oxen, which is so funny because guess what Abimelech gave to Abraham? Sheep and oxen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and gave them to Abimelech and the two of them made a covenant. So now they make covenant. Yes. Right? Um, because there's actually been an exchange and there's an official agreement here, right? This is after they'd already sworn to each other. Mm-hmm. So this is this transaction marks a turning point in their agreement. Yes. Right? Yes. Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Yeah. So so Abraham set aside Sheba sheep. Uh, let's see. What is the word for that one? Keep saw. You lambs. Sheba Kipsa? Yeah. And we, um, we don't have the full significance of sheep either. We we, mm-hmm. we get the idea of seven as being a significant number, yes. right? Yeah, we've touched but, on that. But we haven't gotten into all of the Levitical stuff with certain animals being proper for sacrifice and that kind of stuff. Right. So this thing of the seven ewes is interesting, but it doesn't strike the same chords that we may get later on. Right. Yeah. No, the only significance we're really getting right now is just, okay, something's up with the fact that he chose seven specifically. And and so Abimelech asks about it. <laughs> yeah. Abimelech said to Abraham, what do these things mean yeah. that you've set them all, all the way over here? Yeah. What, and Abraham, what's, what's with the Shabbat? Yeah. And uh, he, uh, Abraham said, you shall take these seven ewe lambs from my hand so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the covenant. He's basically saying, hey, we still have to figure out what's going to happen with this well. Can we both agree that this is my well? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, therefore, he called that place Beersheba because there the two of them took an oath. Okay. So he set aside seven. So he set aside Sheba for them to take a 
Shabbat. So, so Abraham sets aside seven specifically as, as, as a little bit of a pun in, in the significance of what they're doing here. These, these seven, which is Sheba, sounds like what we are providing to each other here, the oath, Shabbat. So, so he's saying, because these words are similar, these seven are a representation of what we're doing right now. And so this is now the well of the seven, or the well of the oath. And so this well also stands as a marker for what's happening right now. Yeah, and and it, it seems that this is actually the well, or at least, yeah, it seems as if the well, this is the well that um, God opened the eyes of Hagar to see, because it's in the same vicinity. Yeah. But now we know why this place that she was wandering in before is called Be'er Exactly. Um. So they made a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. So there they, they're kind of just letting Abraham have this land right now. Not officially. It's not like a transaction like either we're going to see later with Abraham, but they're going to leave him alone in this little part of their territory for right mm-hmm. now. This is the second time that we see the Philistines. Um, the first time was back in chapter 10. The Table of Nations. Yep. So this is this is the first time we're actually seeing the people group mm-hmm. show up. Yep. Uh, so Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. So uh, Abraham is actually doing a little mini Eden here. He's mm-hmm. doing what was supposed to happen, and he's taking eights into the wilderness, right? He's planting a tamarisk tree, and I, I please correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure tamarisk trees are extremely durable and have a very long longevity. Hmm. I know that was kind yeah. of redundant, but yeah. the, the idea is that like it's supposed to be long-lasting. Sure, sure. And the yeah, um, the word for the tamarisk is eshel. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's yeah. interesting. I, I don't know if, if that's specifically true of tamarisk trees. Uh, I'm... I'm sure that similar to the idea of of the oaks, mm-hmm. it's probably that same kind of idea where this is a this is a durable thing considering the region in which we are. Yeah, and since he um, planted it, it also invokes the idea that he's planning to stay there for a while. If right. he's going to care for that tree, yeah. right? He doesn't have to be there for the entire time, but like right. He's planting something. He's he's planting himself there with the tree. Right. Right. Um the the King James version translates it as a grove. Wonder why that is. Hmm. That that's probably because of the Greek. Yeah. Um, but it's a salt cedar, flowering shrub that thrives in gardens in coastal regions throughout the UK, apparently, huh. according to GardenersWorld.com. Interesting. And there, at that uh, tamarisk tree that he planted uh, in Beersheba, he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. So yeah, we aren't so... told that he built an altar but he's doing the altar action. Exactly. And this is the first time we get this this title for Yahweh, where we, we've seen Olam before. Yeah, Yahweh um, El Olam. Yeah, yeah. Yahweh, the God of longevity. Of longevity, yeah. The, the God who who exists in perpetuity. I think, um, yeah, I think that's where that connection was. I, when, in whatever commentary I had read about it, where the, mm. the tamarisk tree is long-lasting. Long mm. And so that that um, parallel of God's title of longevity sure. being paired with it. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. 
So we aren't told how, how long. Right. But it's, it's so funny that for our English, the Hebrew says, um, Abraham in the land of the Philistines, days many. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's, he's continuing to Gerar, in Gerar, among, uh, okay, let's see, Philistine, uh, from the verb palash, to burrow or to grieve loudly. So he's, <laughs> he's in the sojourning land among the grieving people. Um, so, so this is his opportunity to be a blessing to the grieving people in the, in the dragging place. Mm-hmm. The dragging place. Yeah. The, the, I thought you said dragon for a second. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh. No, no the, place, the place where they drag their feet. Yeah. The, the sojourning. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're still in, we're yep. still in Gerar. Yep. We're still in the sojourning place. And now we know that it's the land of the Philistines. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first time. This is the people group told. that are, that are in this exactly. area. Yeah. We're told who, who Abimelech is in charge of before yeah. we got, okay, he's king in Gerar. But now we get, oh, and this is where the Philistines live. So yeah. he must be a Philistine king. So there's two new characters and then a new title for God. So obviously Isaac is the first new character, but we've we've been looking for him for a long time. Yeah, yeah. He finally shows up. Foreshadowing. And the only thing that he does is, you know, stop drinking milk. That's the only <laughs> thing that he does. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh, Fickle yes. is the other new new character. He only shows up one more time. Yeah, yeah. He he doesn't do anything notable aside from come alongside Abimelech when Abimelech is trying to address potential problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so it's so funny because he isn't the strong arm, but he's like the the um, emergency strong arm. Right. 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 Yeah, it's also interesting that he he's named as as the voice of the people, yet we don't see him really talking. It's almost like Aaron, where he's appointed to be the speaker for Moses, and then Moses is just like, "Yeah, you're done now. All right, right let me do it." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then the new title uh, that we've already you know gotten to see a little bit of though is the everlasting God. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, we we've touched on the concept of Olam. Uh, this is you know God, God said His covenant would be for Abraham's offspring and generations in perpetuity. Maybe this is why, um, is because now Isaac is born, Abraham is recognizing the yeah. Olam nature. Right, right. Um, themes, uh, you know, we, we uh, talked about weaning, but that's not the most significant thing. The, the most significant thing about it is just that it signals that a child has the potential to actually survive. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, we, we now have some assurance that the child of promise will be able to fulfill his purpose. Yep, yep. We don't have to worry about waiting for another one. Yeah. Um, um, the parallels between Hagar's last encounter in the wilderness and the and all the stuff that goes to back to Genesis 1 with that. Exactly. I was going to say, say uh, exile is, is a big part of all of that. Yeah. Um, so her being driven out, just like mankind was driven out of the garden. So mm-hmm. now she's outside of prosperity. Yes. Right. Yes. And, and yet God is still taking care of her outside of the garden. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, she, she can find, uh, images of the garden images as in like, you know, little pieces of the garden, I guess I should say. Yeah. Outside of the proper garden. Right. Cause she finds the, uh, Sabah, is that what it is? Uh, the, the. I believe that's I right. The little growth. Yeah, she, see, she sees a bush, and she ends Trubs. up finding a, a source of water, mm-hmm. uh, so a source of life. 
which is associated with garden imagery. Yep. Um, Wells are, are little garden places in a sense. Yep. Uh, Ishmael takes on the, um, or he becomes an imager for the Nimrod character, a hunter, um, which that's not so much significant for him in the future. Uh, it, it is for his kids, but like just the idea that these Nimrods are still going to be in the world. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Um, uh, the, the bush is a Siach. Okay. Siach. Um, I think I was thinking of shrub. <laughs> yeah. And so I tried to mix the, the Hebrew and English. Speebrew. <laughs> Speebrew. Um, and then, uh, the significance of seven we've talked mm-hmm. about, right? Um, Covenant shows up again, but it's between humans. Yeah. Well, and, and seven is given a new dimension as it now relates to the idea of covenant before it, it signaled this idea of a thing being whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's, there's an aspect of that wholeness that is related to the idea of promise and covenant yep. because of the association with the oath. Yep. And then we're continuing the God and his chosen covenant person by a tree. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. The little the little Eden encounters. So and and Abraham is is in a sense acting like Adam in that he is he is doing a, a bit of of gardening by planting the Yeah, that's that's true. We, uh, yeah, because I mentioned the fact of bringing the Eden out, but I exactly. I didn't even think about the gardening aspect specifically. Yeah, he's he's fulfilling his role as the man. Mm-hmm. He's the man. Okay. Um for some vocabulary uh, to laugh, Isaac, we'll see some some interesting conjugations and forms of that word throughout Genesis and probably yeah. even throughout the rest of the Bible. Yeah, we, we've we've called it out as his name, but yeah, this is this is the first. Yeah, time it's, where it's we just see the it. easiest way to to communicate exactly. that root. Yeah, this is the first time that we've seen it used this way as as, as more. To, to play or to make sport, um, whether that be a euphemism or just straightforward, that that particular usage of it is going to come up a lot more. Yeah, from the root, tzachach. Yeah. So, oh, I guess I guess we should have talked about circumcision too. Like, oh yes, um, yeah. In terms of, we, we've only seen yes. it once before, but now it's going to be perpetuated. Exactly. Um, so, anytime that circumcision is highlighted, we should probably pay attention to it. <laughs> Gosh dang it, Moses. I know. <laughs> Man, spoilers. <laughs> um, Hagar and Ishmael were garash, driven out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there's one of those words. Yep, yep, the, the callback. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what the word for bush was again. Siach? Siach. I remembered. I didn't have to look it up. <laughs> uh, as as just a piece of greenery, something garden-ish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A small little green, a little green life form. Right. <laughs> uh, we see we see the Zara again. I'm so done. <laughs> <laughs> we see the seed again, the yes. Zara. Yes. Um, and it being characterized in Isaac and then his descendants. Yes. Um. That's that's pretty neat. What else have we got? But Midbar, the wilderness, which invokes the ideas of Tohu and Bohu. Yep, and exile. Yeah, these places where the garden isn't, but they can be. But we can find the garden 
or pieces of the garden in the wilderness still. Right, right. Um, and we can even find God in those garden places in the wilderness. Yes. Um, it is interesting. I don't, th- I don't think it calls out that the exile happened eastward. We just get the wilderness language. Yeah, she's just time. driven out. Usually there's, there's the east associated with the concept of exile in the wilderness, but, mm-hmm. but this time we don't get that specific call out. We just get the other hallmarks that, that are related to that idea. Yeah. Uh, well, we talked about um, uh, Saba. Yes. And how yes. it's a noun and a verb, and it, it's always associated with a warfare of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, which we mentioned in Genesis 2, the, the idea that this is in instituting the concept of conquering the wilderness. Right, right. But here, the this commander... Nicole is like a a warrior on humans. Yeah, so the the implication is is akin to a lot of what we touched on in Table of Nations stuff mm-hmm. and and in um, this Yeah, in Cater Leomer's whole conquest, mm-hmm. the idea of instead of instead of waging war against the the chaos of of the un uncultivated land. And and in asserting your dominance over, um, you know the the wilderness in general. Now that dominance and that that conquering spirit is being is being asserted against other image bearers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we have seven Sheba mm-hmm. and Lamb Kibsa, um, which. Like we we already we already talked a little bit about the significance significance of Sheba, mm-hmm. but Kibsa is going to be something to look out for because, um, uh, they're specifically used, right, right, right. but um, they are going to have some heavy significance in Leviticus and Numbers, uh, that being like the law, and yes. then following out throughout the rest of the um, uh, Tanakh, yes, the Old Testament, so. A lot of lot of little things in here that that can have some significance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talked about wells, bear, just as a source of water, uh, usually in the midst of not so gardeny places. Mm-hmm. The idea is that you need a well in a place where there isn't water. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, and then again, olam, the perpetuity. Yeah. And even though that this concept wasn't so much there in the Hebrew, what we can understand now as um, Eternal, and infinite, right? Yeah. Is infinite is all. That's right. Right. Unlimited stick. Yes. <laughs> uh, and then we we obviously talked about Mizraim and and uh, the Philistines. What is which? What what is the actual Hebrew for that? Elishti. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, the Pelishtim. Yeah. For um, the. Plural. Yeah. But those are just the people groups. Exactly. Exactly. Or or even later referring more to the region than the actual ethnic group. Exactly. Yeah, as we talked about with the with the region of Mizraim and the, the Egyptian people. That that may not be simply Mizraimites going forward. There, yeah. There's a lot of yeah. of other peoples coming into that region and, and you know, speaking of of people conquering other people, oh yeah, 
there's a lot of that stuff that happens. But that all in happens, these uh, at least with, with Egypt. That all happens in the background of the Bible. That, yes, that's yes. that is not something that we are actually told in the Bible. Right, right. That stuff that archaeology um, has given us some information for. Exactly. So, cool. Uh, anything else? Did I miss any words? Do we need to? Uh, well, clarify anything. You touched on Sheba. I don't think you talked about Shaba oath. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is the the other emphasized side of it. Yeah, all. yeah. Um, Sheba and Shaba having this um, little uh, phonic similarity. Exactly, exactly. They they and they so don't rhyme, the same kinds but it's of that ideas. same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, most most They're Hebrew almost a homophone. I mean, yeah. not really, but yeah. they yeah. sound most, most very Hebrew, similar. Most Hebrew auditory plays don't rhyme. Right. They just use similar roots yeah. um, in terms of the lettering exactly. to, to broaden the image that's being presented. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right, which yeah, is why yeah. a lot of times in Psalms you'll have the, the couplets that say the exact same thing, uh, or, you know, they say, they say the exact same idea, mm-hmm. but with different words to push the image out. Exactly, exactly. So that you can understand it. Yep. So, do we need to um, clarify anything? Does everything make sense? Questions? Cool. I think I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure. You know. If anybody out there has questions, please let us know. Yeah. Our email's in the show notes. We want to help Sweeter than Honey Productions yep. at gmail.com. Boot. And we would like you to help us understand if you have insight that we don't. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or additional feedback, our email is in the show notes, sweeter than honey productions at gmail.com. Uh, we look forward to talking with you all. So please interact with us. We would like it and we want correction if it's necessary. Yes. Um, so next time we are going to talk about the sacrifice of Isaac. And that's going to be cool because there's yeah. a lot that we can unpack in there. Yeah. It, it's, it's a tough story, but it, it foreshadows some really cool stuff. Mm hmm. Join us next time as we read the Bible with fresh eyes to understand God for who he is on his terms. Grace and peace. Bye.